0: The following is recorded from Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning. Welcome to the creek. I'm Pastor Matt. If this is your first time here, as my beautiful wife said, if you'll fill out one of those guest cards, we'll get some information to you. We don't stalk you. We don't do anything weird. We just want to get a a dialogue going. If you've got your Bibles, go to John chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the ends of the rows. One of the things that we love to do is give out Bibles. So if you need one, you don't own one, put your name in it. Uh, that is your Bible. So, um, And you can follow along with us. We're going to be in John chapter 6. We are in our foundation series. Uh, we've got next week, we're going to be finishing up, wrapping up. We're kind of moving towards a commitment time. Let me explain to you what our foundation series is has done in my life over the last couple of weeks. It's been really amazing. Uh, we started with this uh, foundation series because we believe that God has given us uh, a vision as a church. He's launched us in a daycare, and I love where we get to meet. I mean, I will never despise humble beginnings. Um, it, I think we get away with a lot because we're in a daycare. You know, like spiritually, we can never mind i can't say that, but uh we're growing up, and God has given us a vision and some clear steps for our future, and so we want to be prepared for that. We want to lay a foundation for that, so we're in week three, four of that series, actually five it's a six week series I'm sorry, I lose count three, four, five, but um before we get into that, I want to share something with you uh we As a staff, every Monday morning, we get an email going around between all of our team members. We're a mobile staff, and so a lot of our team members are bivocational, which means they work and they're involved in ministry. And so we get an email going amongst our team, and we call it the wins, and we want to share the wins because I don't get to be in Creek Kids, and so I want to hear what God's doing in in Creek Kids, and I don't get to be, I'm not a a part of the worship from this perspective, and so we kind of share what God's doing, Um, and I can't be in the coffee bar, hey coffee bar, Um, I can't be in the coffee bar during the message, and so I want to know, and so we share these, well this is from our children's pastor Tammy, and uh, I want to read it to you, I thought about having her come in and read it, but we only have an hour for the service. And uh you know those of you who know Pastor Tammy I mean she's going to come in and she'll cry because she's talking about your kids and she's and she's passionate about that. I'm not making fun of her, but we just need to get through it right? <laughs> Don't tell her I said that she's gonna, tomorrow's wins will be much different. i beat mad up. Hi family. This week, one of my biggest wins was during teaching in the second service. We have been talking about Timothy and how God gifted him with teaching, and Paul helped him understand and realize his gifts. We talked about being obedient to God and using our talents and our gifts in our church, and I asked them to think about what they could do right now and then later as they grow. One boy said he was going to play drums, and he's practicing now for that. One boy said he was going to be on the setup and tear-down team because God is growing his muscles. I, I say go ahead, man. Come on. We got space. If you want to be in set-up, tear-down, I don't care. We don't have child labor issues. If God's growing your muscles, show me. So um, move some furniture. Uh, one girl said she was going to serve in the snack bar just like those ladies with big smiles, in quotes, those ladies with big smiles. Several said they are going to be teachers and gave names of some of the teachers they have observed. This win was not just because they get it, it's that they got it because they've watched the wonderful examples we have in our church of service, leadership, and love. They have seen what using their talents looks like. Because of your examples, the future leaders of our church are studying, practicing, working, and observing so they can be ready when God calls them up. Thank you for your examples of faith and obedience. I just want to thank you, everybody who serves in Creek Kids, Thank you for pouring into the lives of our kids. You know, we always talk about our kids watch us. It was amazing because last week it was vocalized how much they watch us. So thank you for that. If you see Pastor Tammy, tell her you love her when you go pick up your kids. I'm grateful for her. We have an amazing team. I couldn't do what Pastor Tammy does. I'm not called to preach to your kids. Uh, they, 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 they scare me, honestly. I'm just... I'm done with that face. I'm closer to grandkids than I am little kids, and and I'm okay with that because I know it's going to be a while before grandkids come along. I know how to handle that. I don't know how to handle the kids. But John chapter 6, through this series in Foundations, we started out by talking about how God has a vision for every one of us. I mean, a lot of times we think that God... May or may not have a plan. But let me help you understand something. God created you unique. He wired you. He has a vision. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. And the only way that's activated is through a life of surrender. We talked about Abraham and how he had to go through that test with Isaac. And it's getting to that point of saying, God, palms up. It's yours. I surrender. I give it up. Your life for me is better than I can imagine. I said last week, if God calls you to a hut in Uganda, God will give you the passion and you will not want to be anywhere else on earth. I know that's strange, but I know a lot of us are like, I don't want to be called to Uganda. I don't either. But if God calls me there, I'm not going to want to be anywhere else. I was talking to a guy this week and God may be calling him. Here's what I love about this series. God is calling some people to do some big things. I mean, I've been having some conversations with you guys and God has been challenging you where you are. And God is calling somebody into the, the mission field and, and he was talking about, he goes, you know, I'm trying to kind of worry because this is a hot spot of the world. It's a dangerous place. So let me tell you something. The safest place you can be is in the middle of God's will. It doesn't matter where in the world it is. That's the safest place to be. And I'm, I'm watching people go through these changes because God is speaking and we're hearing God. And I love that. A lot of times we think the hard part is hearing God. I think the harder part is obeying God. And so we've been traveling through this journey together. And uh, today we're, um, we're going to talk about preparing for a miracle because uh, I really want us to understand that, that we can be obedient. I mean, God gives us a vision. He has a plan for our life. We can surrender to it and say, Okay, God, I want to live life your way. Here I am. I want to do it. We, we struggle to hear God speak to us, and then we hear God speak, and then we're like, Okay, God, I'm going to do it. I'm in. I'm all in. Sign me up. And then what happens is we get to a point where God has to show up. I mean, we can make all these plans, but it really comes down to we need God's power to intersect and partner with us in life, and and I think that's a miracle. I think some of you are in this place that, that you're at a point where you need a miracle in your life. And I'm not talking about getting weird and, and all kinds of stuff, but but I'll be honest with you. I think as the creek, we're at a point in our life that we need a miracle. I mean, God has given us a lot of creativity. We've added services. We've added video cafe. We're trying not to wear our team out. And we're, we're, we're in this for ministry, but I think we're at a point where we need a miracle. And so I want to talk about preparing for a miracle because just so you know, really from the creek's beginning, it's been one miracle after another. I mean, we're sitting in this room because of a miracle. I mean, I was watching YouTube this week, which, you know, I do that often. YouTube is great sermon material. It's also this great drain of time on your life. You just do that. Um, But I was watching YouTube, and uh, I typed in do you believe in miracles? As made famous by the announcer Al Michaels, you know, do you believe in miracles? Um, I almost forgot his name in the first service. With I think borders on, on heresy, honestly. I was like, I'm sorry, guys. I, was, I, I repented. I'm good. But uh, do you believe in miracles? I was amazed. I really overwhelmed it. How many people in our life, in our world, do not believe in miracles? I want to be like, man, just the fact that you're breathing is a miracle. And then the people who said, yeah, I believe in miracles, it was a street interview, like, do you believe in miracles? And they, yeah, no, why not? I just don't. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. Okay, I can't get this right. I feel like Ricky Bobby with a microphone. Um, Do you believe in me? And the wave goes through. All right, I got to hurry. Y'all can't laugh too much at my jokes because we're on time schedule. Which, by the way, my feelings are hurt because the meatloaf joke last week, that was like A plus joke. And y'all did not go there with me. I got a talking to when I got home. Like, man, that just wasn't funny. <laughs> y'all got to help a brother out, man. Anyway, do you believe in miracles? Yes. When was the last time you saw one? I don't know that I've ever seen one. I think we live with this awareness that maybe miracles exist. Or in Christian circles, Christian community in the church, we're a little weirded out by miracles. Like, I'd like to see a miracle, but what's God going to make me do to see it? And you know, what's the admission price to see a miracle? I, I, I love studying the biblical miracles, and they're all through Scripture. And if you start looking back in your life, you're going to realize there's a lot of miracles along the way. And I want to look today at kind of the elements of a miracle. A lot of times we think Jesus just shows, shows up and bam, the miracle happens. But it's not always the case. And so let's look at this. John chapter 6. And uh, you can follow along with us. Uh, We're also going to look at this account in another gospel, the gospel of Mark. This miracle, this is Jesus feeding the 5,000. This miracle occurs in all four gospels. It is in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, when you read it, because I get people that want to ask this question, or some that want to ask, that are scared to ask, they're like, well, when I read it in all four accounts, it seems to be a little different. Does the Bible contradict itself? No, it does not. These four accounts, if you think about it, it is the four camera angles on the same event. Us guys understand this because when something blows up in a movie, it doesn't blow up one time. There are four camera angles at least. And so you see kaboom and then this side, kaboom and then this side, kaboom and then kaboom. Ladies, it's not four booms, it's one boom. It's so us guys can understand what's going on, all right? I mean, we're not into, did she fall in love with him? And is she, I think she loves that other guy, and that other guy loves her, but they don't know if they love each other or not. No, no. We see, boom, right? Boom, 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 four booms. There it is. That's guy movies for you. Something blows up, good. I mean, it could be in the sappiest love scene. I don't ever want to leave you. I don't want you to leave me. Kaboom, yeah, that's the best movie ever. So, <laughs> I got to keep going. My mind's, all right. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. Let me set some context for you. When it says sometime after this, Jesus had just gotten news that his friend, his cousin, uh, John the Baptist, had been beheaded because he was preparing the way for jesus and and this affected jesus and then these crowds are following jesus Really? It's similar to what we see today people follow jesus because of what he does not who he is And so he's wanting some time alone I mean think about he just got devastating news. He's fully god, but he's fully man He's got the emotional capacity of being fully man, and he just lost john the baptist And so he's needing some time and he sees the people And then he says, when he looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Here's what's funny. Um, Philip would know where the -the jack-in-the-box was around because Philip was from this area. And so Jesus, it's always good to have a friend that knows where the good restaurants are, right? I mean, Heather has this amazing ability to find the great restaurants. I love that about my wife. I love to eat. I mean, you see, this body takes work. It takes fuel. I run on diesel fuel. And I'm just, come on. But um, she's good at finding a good restaurant. So if you need a recommendation, well, no, we don't give recommendations anymore. If you want some ideas. Because if we give a recommendation and you don't like it, it's our, it's our fault. You're like, we tried that restaurant you recommended. It wasn't any good. <laughs> I'm sorry. So we just give ideas. So... Uh, it's always good to know who to go to to find the good food, right? So Jesus asked Philip, Philip, where are we going to go get bread? And Philip's like, look, Jesus, eight months wages. Isn't he even going to buy enough bread for these people to have even a bite to eat? Uh, and then hey, verse 8, another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Okay, there's a, a lot of people. It would be like me pulling out those little snack pack of crackers and say, hey, let's have lunch. It ain't going to happen. Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. And the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. You now, here's the interesting thing. There's several elements, I think, that we can understand that go into a, a biblical miracle um, of what we see in Scripture. And I think it always begins with a need. Too many times we think that it starts with that a miracle starts with faith, or a miracle starts when Jesus just shows up, like when Jesus sits down on the mountainside and sees all the people. A, a miracle is going to start with a need. Here's what you see about Jesus in Scripture. What I love about Jesus in Scripture is that He's drawn to needy people. I am a needy person. I have needs. You have needs. We can be honest. We're also sometimes not drawn to people with needs, right? You know when the when Someone walks in the room and you feel the life just leave your body. You're like, I got to get out of here. You're like, oh. I love about Jesus is, man, I, I I take take take, and Jesus is like, I'm here. Jesus is drawn to people with needs, and we all have needs, and that's when He works. Here's what I've learned about our needs, though: our needs will either will either draw us to God. Or away from God. I mean, think about it. When we trust and we have this need, we start looking around. I mean, the disciples, there's a lot of people, there's food, and they're like, we got to send these people away, Jesus. The need is hunger. And we've got to send them away from Jesus. It's not just the disciples. It's not just this story. In our lives, you know, I, I've been at that point where I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm like Jesus. I need you to show up. I need you in my life. I have a need that is is deep. I have a need that is huge, and I need you. And what happens? I'm either going to press into him and say I, I, I'm trusting you. I'm believing you. Or I'm going to get frustrated with him and go, "You're not showing up as quick as I wanted you to." So I'm out. I'm going to figure out a better way to do this. It might take eight months' wages just to get a bite, but at least it's a bite, right? We've all been there. But it starts with a need. And then what happens is that need is recognized by a group of people. Now you look at the, the miracles that Jesus performed in Scripture. There's a need. That need is recognized. Let me Let me show you Mark chapter 6. You can flip over if you want to. I'm going to read Mark six thirty-five. This is the same story. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. So we've got a need, and the disciples recognize the need. The disciples are like, look, Jesus, it's late. You need to send these people away because there is no jack-in-the-box close. There is nowhere they, could, they can go and get bread. And you want us to feed them? It's going to take over eight months of my salary just to give them a bite. So we have a problem. We have an issue here, Jesus. Too many times we try to solve our problems without Jesus. Let me tell you something, you will never surprise God. God is not watching us and going, ooh, I did not see that coming. Now, if you've got little kids, you haven't lived that out, right? I have two very creative girls. They're they're growing, and they're growing up too fast, but they were very creative when they were toddlers. I never knew what color their hair was going to be, what part of their hair was going to be cut what color the carpet was, what color the walls were, what report from the teacher I was going to get when I picked them up from school. I mean, they were creative. They surprised me and Heather a lot. But we will not surprise God. Here's the thing. When we have a need, he already knows we have a need. And not only does he already know we have a need, he has a means to meet that need. He already has the solution before we confess we got a problem. That's because he is God. He is not disengaged with us. He desires to partner with us. He wants our participation in this miracle. Because you see, it was recognized by a group of people, and Jesus says, I want you to do something. You feed him. Get involved. Lock in, baby. Here's the problem. In our Christian community, we wanna we want God to do miracles without our participation. We want to sit back on the sideline and say, yay, God, go, you can do it. Go ahead, open that door. God, yay, God, you can do it. I, I need to figure out how I'm going to make financial ends meet. Yay, God, go do it. And we cheer them on. The problem is we're wanting magic, not a miracle. Here's what I've learned about partnering with God. Without God, we cannot do it. And for God, without us, he will not do it. He says, I want you to partner. I want you to be involved. That's the beauty. The God of the universe chooses to work in us and through us. He says, I, I just it would be so much easier, honestly, on me, probably on God, because he wouldn't have to deal with my mess so much if he just do it. But see, I'm not called to make Jesus my Lord and Savior by having him in my pocket and saying, clear the way you the way for my will. Okay, Jesus, you can be my God. And we're like, because I can use you however I want. No, we are called to live a life of surrender and obedience and sacrifice and say, It's me. And Jesus, I'm following you wholeheartedly. Let's lock in on this. I used to have this daydream when I was a kid, you know, on the magic side. I'm not, I'm not, I'm I'm not alone in this. I'll just be the one willing to admit it. But I had this daydream that I could catch a leprechaun. Um, you've been there. Don't hey, Boom, right? Best movie ever. But remember if you catch a leprechaun, you get three wishes, right? Well, I was like, I got this figured out. I have outsmarted the leprechaun. I'm a genius. When he says, you have three wishes, i be like, I just need one. And my wish is this. Anytime I say, I wish, at the beginning of a sentence, I get what I want. Boom, I just outsmarted the leprechaun. How you like that? I don't even need the other two. I got, I got infinity wishes. That's like, for you gamers, that's infinite lives, right? Those of us from old school, it was up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right, B-A-B-A, select, start, go. That was infinite lives, man. That's old school Nintendo right there, baby. Y'all would sit in front of that Nintendo with your Hot Pocket, you know. See, we want God to, we want to sit there with our Hot Pocket, and we want God to do all the work. Yeah, we don't have infinite lives. God calls us to get engaged. We don't have the infinite wishes. God wants to use us. I think the bigger excitement and adventure in life is when God says, hey, partner with me on this. I'm the God of the universe. I got all resources. I have all power. And I want you to be a part of this. And God chooses to work in us and partners with us. And then what happens is the people step out in faith regardless of the odds. I mean, think about all the odds that were going on. I mean, this was a partnership of trust. Okay, you had to trust Jesus. There's several players in this story. There's Jesus, the disciples, and the crowd, and the crowd was hungry. Jesus said to the disciples, You feed them. Andrew said, I've got this little boy here. He's got five pieces of bread, five loaves of bread, and two fish. I don't know what we can do, but Jesus, here's something. Let me tell you something. The only sacrifice that was getting ready to happen was on the part of the boy. Because I think he was smart. I think he saw the disciples walking through like this, like, hmm, just looking for some food, you know? And that little boy, he's like, uh uh-uh. uh. He's tucking, right? He's like, no, I don't have anything. Mm-mm, mm-mm. He didn't need a miracle, right? He came prepared. But he had to partner with Jesus, and there had to be this trust. You see, the odds were you can't feed all these people with this. Honestly, what are the odds of getting your food from a hungry kid? I don't know. I I think I'll take feeding the 5,000 without the kid. But he trusted Jesus. And I don't know how the exchange happened. I don't know if this is where emotional manipulation happened in Scripture. like, come on, kid. Jesus needs it. I mean, we've taken that to the extreme in churches, haven't we? But the, the little boy partners with Jesus, and he gives it to him. I think there's a couple reasons why it's hard for us to give what we have to Jesus. The first thing, it's hard for us to care for others when we're comfortable ourselves. I mean, you know, when we kind of have life going, I mean, the only person that didn't need the miracle was the boy, right? Was the little kid. He said, because I'm prepared. I don't, I don't need Jesus if we can figure it out on our own, we don't need a miracle. A miracle happens when the only way out is up. And we get to that point going, I can't do this, God. It's got to be you. I'll work with you, but this has to be you leading it. And it gets hard because, you know, we, we serve at Agape every third Thursday, and I, I kind of get in that mood when I'm driving, stuck in rush hour traffic, trying to get to Broadway Baptist going, you know... If they would just move agape two hours later, this would be more convenient for me. It's hard for us to care for somebody when we're comfortable ourselves. You see, we've got to realize that we're not called to just a life of selfishness. That'll get real boring really quickly. It is all about helping others. It is all about using what God has given us to be a part of Him blessing other people. The other thing is, I think when God asks us to do something, a lot of times it doesn't make sense. You know, because you're like, God, I think I hear your voice on this, but man, that doesn't make sense. I don't know how that's going to happen. I mean, think about this story it is one launch versus 5,000 men. I mean, that, those really, that doesn't make sense. Jesus saying to the disciples, you feed them, and oh yeah, here's some fish and loaves, go for it. You're like, what? Um, Jesus, have you been in the sun too long? You see, faith gives because God asks for it, not because it makes sense. And what I love about what Jesus did is he took it and he blessed it. He gave thanks to the Father for it, and then he began distributing it distributing the food. See, God's not looking at our lunchbox or our wallet. He's looking at our obedience and our faith because he can see right through all of that. I mean, can you imagine this kid at the end of the day? This kid was marked for life. His grandchildren probably heard this story. He's like, hey, kids, come gather around. Let me tell you about the time I gave Jesus my lunch. And, you know, for us guys, the fish story always gets bigger. But I think for this, maybe the fish story got smaller, you know, because it makes the miracle even bigger. I gave Jesus a fish about that big, two of them, 5,000 men. These grandkids are like, hey, here we go with the story. You know, he'll segue it every time. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the time that I gave Jesus my lunch, and he blessed thousands of people through that little meal. Tell us again, granddad. It marked him because he partnered with Jesus. He put something in Jesus' hands that only Jesus could provide the way he provided. See, I think God can only multiply what we offer him. I think Jesus loves working through that process because the partnership really happens. So I think the elements of a miracle kind of happen like this, where there is a need sensed by a group of people and each individual understands his or her responsibility and they step out regardless of the odds. Then Jesus performs a miracle. There's a lot of activity on our part. There's a lot of engaging with God. There's surrender. There's obedience. And then there's that partnership that happens. And some people think like through this foundation series, you know, let me just clear something up. Many people believe and feel that this foundation series and our campaign is all about finances. Um, And, We are raising finances to be prepared for the next step. But this is a spiritual process. This is a spiritual journey. It has to be a spiritual journey. Otherwise, I consider it a failure. If we're not more in love with Jesus through this process, it's not even worth going on. And that's the way we filter things as a church. Does this help us love people? Does this make Jesus more clear? If it does, giddy up. If it doesn't, I don't want to waste our time. I don't want to waste your time. There's more important things going on. I mean, we're talking about eternity and life. And some people think that, hey, I don't I don't have a lot that I can give. This little boy didn't have a lot he could give, but he put it in Jesus' hands. And he blessed thousands of people. Last week I had a moment after setup and teardown, after they gave me the envelope for the weekend. And they said, Hey, there was an envelope taped to the front door. Now I have a spiritual gift of sarcasm in cynicism sometimes. And so when I think a letter taped to the front door, it's like, turn it down, it's too loud, right? I've gotten those before. But this was a different letter. And in this envelope taped to the front door of the church was this note. I know it is small, but it is all that I have. May this small seed grow into many blessings for your church. There was a $5 bill wrapped up in this letter. I will never despise humble beginnings and small starts. Because here's what it comes down to. It's all what we put in Jesus' hands for what he can multiply. This note, I have a file. It's called Creek History. This file, this note will be in this file. Because it's a reminder to me, it's all depending on whose hands we put it in. You see, that little lunch in the hands of Jesus blessed thousands of people. This $5, my prayer is that it blesses thousands of people by being fed the Word of God. You see, we can all have stuff in our hands, but it really depends on whose hands we put it in. I can pick up Ryan's guitar right here, and honestly, I'd probably devalue it. I was trying to play it last night, and the look that I got was more of like puppies hearing fire engines, like, I don't think that's a note. Um, No, it's a a note. It's a jazz note. But I think I can devalue that guitar. You put that guitar in Ryan's hands, and it's a beautiful instrument of worship that leads a body and a congregation into the presence of God. I have a set of golf clubs in my garage. I have this really nice driver that honestly in my hands it's worth broken windows, car alarms, and a lot of people questioning why they bought a house on the golf course. (laughs) You put that golf club in Tiger Woods' hands, it can mean $59 million last year. It all depends on whose hands we put it in. And as a church, we're called to put our life in the hands of Jesus. You know, through this series, I believe here's what I'm hearing God say. Put it in my hands and watch what I can do. Put it in my hands and let me do a miracle. Uh, You got a a commitment card on the way in. I want to talk to you about that. If you're visiting with us, just... Fill out that guest card or read the bulletin. I I, want to speak to our core and our family for just a second because here's what I believe, that the creek has been a miracle and it's been about obedience and, and we are all here because of obedience. And so our core is making the investment for the future of our church. And Heather and I started wrestling with this on what can we afford to give I mean, we, we would sit down, and just so you know, Heather and I process things together, and here's what I was hoping. You know, when we were hearing from God and praying, God, what do you want us to, to do in this campaign? I started going, okay, what can we afford? And I told Heather, I was like, here's what I was hoping. God would give you the number, and I'd figure out how to pay for it. <laughs> and God challenged us with that and said, no. Because when you ask, what can I afford? It's what can I give without having to give up anything? And so we're like, okay, God, what's the next? Okay, maybe what can I sacrifice? What can we sacrifice? And God said, well, what you're asking is what can you give up so that you can make this happen? See, either one of those two make it about us. Here's what I want us to do. Ask God, what do you want to do through us? What do you want to do through me? Because that means, God, what can I sacrifice and trust you to be my provider for? And so Heather and I have made our commitment for this campaign over the three years of what we can give over and above our tithes because we believe that God is calling us to a future and we want to be prepared for that. Some people can give ten times more than I'm able to commit as a family, and that's all right. Some people are only able to give a, little, a lot less than what Heather and I can sacrifice and commit to. Let me tell you something. It's the five dollars. It's not all of us laying the same amount on the table. It's all of us walking in the same obedience and saying, Jesus, I'm putting it in your hands. You use it to bless people. If there was any other way I could do this, I would. Trust me. I'm not going to manipulate and get into the money thing. I believe this. God is sovereign. I believe that God provides for his ministry. And the word that the Holy Spirit has just been whispering to me all week is, I am enough. Somebody asked me, so, Pastor, what do you think you're going to raise in this campaign? I don't care. Honestly, I want us to be more in love with Jesus. And whatever God blesses us with will be enough. Firmly believe that. My faith isn't shaken. My faith doesn't move by dollars. When God calls us to move, that's when we'll move. And we'll get more creative. We'll do five services here if we have to. I hope not. But that's the way it is. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm just asking you to trust God. And hear from God. And if you don't hear, if you're not at that point, and we love you. God bless you. You know, we're you're a part of this regardless. And so let's let's put it in God's hands. Here's what I want you to do. I'm not I want those cards back today. I wanted you to have a preview for them. By the way, you know, we just we didn't know how to break that down, so we just put um, what our total was over the three years. This is a three-year commitment, and we didn't know how it broke down, so we just said, because I, we have kids in college and, and all this stuff, so money looks differently from us. Tax season is a great time of year, so depending on what we get back from the IRS is what we can put in. And so you know, we can, I can't say it's this amount every week, man, because gas changes price every week. But fill that out. If you, if it's if something other than that, just write on there. Just tell us what it is. And we're going to take those up next week in a time of worship. And let me ta- challenge you with this. If it's you and your spouse, pray over that. Pray together. It might be the first time you've ever prayed together. Pray over it. Let this be something that, that God works through you and in you. And then we'll bring it back next week. So let's put it in God's hands and prepare for a miracle. Let's pray. Father, we love you. I thank you so much for um, the power that you have and that you are um, all-powerful, that you are um, a God who is not disinterested in our daily life, that you are a God of miracles. And Father, I just pray right now as we are in the quietness of this space that we Maybe some of us in this room, God, need a miracle right now. I don't know what it is. You do. And you had the solution when, when they walked in this room. So I pray for humility and partnership and, and obedience. Father, I thank you for the faithfulness of a little boy that teaches us about childish or childlike faith and not childish faith. Childish faith says it's mine. Childlike faith says I trust you to do something bigger with this. So Father, I just pray that that first of all and most importantly we put our life in your hands so we can be amazed at what you do with it. Because God, I've seen what my life is like in my hands. And I want to live life with it in your hands and be amazed at the power that you work through me and in me. Father, I place this church in your hands and just ask that you do the miraculous as thousands of people that live around us get fed with the message of Jesus and the hope of the gospel and that you use us to love the lonely and reach out to the broken Father, here we are. We submit ourselves to you, and we thank you for the the miracle of death to life through the cross and the power of the resurrection. And I pray that right now, if there's anyone in this room that needs that miracle of this life that they They humble themselves to you and say, Jesus, I need a miracle. I need the hope of the gospel. I need the forgiveness that comes through the cross. I need the grace of a Savior. Please take my life and bring it to life. We love you, Father. We thank you. We trust you. And we believe that you are enough. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.